Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy podcast. I'm Chris, and with me tonight I have... Hello, and I'm glad to be here. Or should we call you Replacement Jens at this point? Well, both our names start with a J, so yeah, that's might true. as well work. Mr. J. At, at least you don't have the same name as another person in the yeah. podcast. You have to <laughs> differentiate it by calling one a made-up name from the in-game universe. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, how are you today? I'm fine. Enjoying myself a bottle of beer to hone my skills as a newcom dwarf player. Ooh. Yeah, we've been seeing this on Instagram. When you've been yeah. posting, oh, there's so many metal models. Probably a strategic reserve in metal in that army. Yeah, a bit. But the models are amazing. I just love all the old metal sculpts for dwarfs. I have like a couple of these old uh, marauder dwarfs with empire-ish clothes. They're really neat, old imperial actually. dwarfs. Yes, they look so cool. With their yeah. puffy sleeves and slit legs and slit sleeves and everything. Even the little hats. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in the old models. I, there seem to be some of them coming back in modern sculpts, but there's not enough. Not enough character. Like, not enough. But this is a 5th ed product, isn't it? Yeah, primary, primarily it's going to be for 5th edition, but I'm of course going to play them in 6th edition. And eventually, when uh, when I find a fun opponent, it's going to be 8th edition, but we all know how 8th edition works. So let's stick to 6th and 5th edition. Yeah, yeah, it's a slippery slope. If you go 8th edition, then you're going to play them as uh, dispossessed on round basis and... It's all downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's one massive project you have there. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to do it side by side when I eventually do start painting my goddamn Middenheimers. Yes, that's a project that we have been talking about. I think we've talked about this on another, po- not another podcast yeah. as well. That's a project that you said you should do if I did my elves. And yeah. I'm doing elves. So. <laughs> You're doing elves. I'm actually just waiting for like nine more archers, then all models are set, and then I can start painting them all at once. Yeah, that's the 60 archer screen you're building, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to put them in a line across the table. <laughs> and hide behind the archers. Yeah, and the then everything arc- get overrun charges into your rest of your army because yeah. the archers flee. Exactly. Archers are really hard to come by, and when you find them, they're horribly expensive. Yeah. I I have enough uh, militia models to build as archers, but I don't like their aesthetics to build huntsmen, because that's what I'm going to field. I'm going to field three small units of five skirmishing huntsmen who will scout, and I want them to look like real huntsmen. I want them to have fur skin hats and pelts and everything i want them to look yeah. like stalking hunters yeah if you use the militia kit it's basically just yeah this is uh build this a baker is, with yeah. a bow That's exactly for it. this is random citizen five yeah and it's a good idea there's yeah at least there's a reason behind the madness so to speak yeah it's not like me that's basically planning to build a really really expensive character as a reward for painting the rest of the army <laughs> <laughs> it's something right 
Yeah. Well, if you have to, it's like the reward tank in 40k. Yeah. When you paint, paint a boring unit or a 30k, when you paint a boring unit of Marines and you just have to, if I paint these, I can paint this nice looking tank or dreadnought or war machine. That's yeah. basically <laughs> every game. Paint a nice model to reward yourself for painting the boring shaft. Yeah. That's kind of how it is for me now with, with the dwarf. If if we move on to like our hobby progress, because I have started painting the dwarfs, and Yay. I started out with my unit of longbeards, amazing models. I love them, but they're not my favorite unit of the dwarfs. Once I finish these guys off, I'm gonna treat myself with painting up my rangers because those models are that's that's like Warhammer dwarfs to me. Those were the first models I came in contact with regarding dwarfs. And I just love them with their oversized double-handed axes and their crossbows slung on their backs and their chain mails are like long skirts. They look yeah. amazing. They're great models. I wish they'd kept that aesthetic yeah. going forward with the dwarves. That they, the six dead for the first plastic kit there wasn't yeah. the best kit ever made. It wasn't the best, but I'm not going to say that the, the, the other kit was any better. Because I, I I don't really like any of those kits, but I think I could save the first plastic kit of them by giving them new hands and weapons because their hands are human oh, and their hand that's weapons true. are like way too big. And they had learned a bit when they released the plastic miners later on. Yeah, those are actually nice when when compared to the other kits that they made in plastic. Yeah. And each to their own, uh, the plastic uh, hammer slash longbeards and uh, iron drakes slash iron breakers are actually good looking, but they're quite busy models. There's a lot of things on them. There's a lot going on for being small, grumpy dwarves. It's like too much detail on something so small. I like the iron breakers over the... Sixed metal, the fifth, sixth metal, metal ones. They look great. They do because I can't really deal with uh, the flat hat helmets they have. That's true. The thing, the thing that I don't really like about the the Iron Breakers, the new models, is that there's like things like scribbled onto their armor. There's like small silhouettes of everything going on on the surface. I mean, you don't need to paint yeah, that's it true. so that it's, so that it's visible. But I know I would. That's true. But uh, the Warrior Longbeard kit is a great source for bits, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, I have been building stuff with the, the plastic Iron Breakers kit, and it's a lovely kit to play around with. I mean, I used it mainly for the, the dwarf warband that I made for my brother. Uh, and uh, so I know I could turn them into dwarf warriors, just paint the armor like leather plates instead of metal plates, and some scraping, but... That's not too much work. The problem is their heads, because they're all fully plated with helmets. Yeah, and helmeted beards. Yeah. So um, to speak. Yeah. They need to show off their beards and their faces too. Yeah. I think they also are a bit too rounded, so the dwarves look like they're stubbier than they should be. Yeah. Because they got the rounded shoulder pads. Yeah, they do. Welcome to this episode where we review kits. <laughs> Well, uh, other uh, going back to my little progress. Other than that, I have actually been uh, picking out all the the, the the things that I need for my Middenheim army. I have them on my shelf besides me, and it's just 
the archers. I have uh, six of them in total right now. I need nine more to complete the the units, and then I also need to convert fifteen of my uh, my metal flagellants into wolfkin, which is like crazed Middenheim warriors. It's like their equivalent of uh, of uh, the flagellants, but they're not going around and preaching the that the world is coming to an end. They're instead going around the world and smiting evil. Yeah, they're followers of Ulrich, right? Yeah. Sigmar. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do like uh, a lot of small conversions on them. Uh, I, I, I want to keep their ragged look, but I'm going to swap most of their flails into great hammers and uh, double-handed swords. Uh, I have a plan for one of them to be a, a knight's panther who lost his way and joined the ranks of a wolfkin. So he's Ooh. like... Yeah, so so he's a, he's gonna run around and smite evil with his two-handed sword. I'm 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 gonna keep the the helmet, so it's gonna be like one of the plastic uh, helmets from the night kit on one of the bodies. Mm-hmm. I have seen this conversion done by Middenheimer on uh, Instagram, and uh, I'm I'm just gonna copy it. It's it looks great. So that's, I, I think he's going to be the unit champion, if anything. And I'm also going to throw in some of the classic uh, Mordheim, uh, uh, Middenheim models as well. I have three Ooh, of them, I nice. think. Yeah, they have a lot of character. And the fun part is that this is a skirmish unit, so they're going to be quite mobile. They have uh, strength four, they have uh, stubborn, leadership eight, so they're going to be durable. I really want to keep a BSB close to them because I don't want them to break. I wanted to keep the enemy where I want them until my knights can strike a flank charge or a devastating support charge. I'd like where this is going. Yes. So the army is going to be like a few models, actually. It's My 2000 points force is like two units of 10 knights. There's going to be 18 to token guard. Those 15 wolfkin and uh, three units of five archers that's and and a couple of heroes that's gonna be my 2000 points oh yeah uh, five knights of the inner circle from the knight's panther as well so there's gonna be a lot of knights 25 models in total but it makes sense thematically even that they're a march yeah. city with several knightly orders yeah, so th- this this force is going to be the the uh, cult of Ulrich force. It's like they're out on a crusade, hunting down some certain evil out in the woods or something. I don't know. Depends on the enemy. Fair enough. Yeah. And you have been starting some other models I've seen. Long-speared yeah. ones. Yeah, I have been... I finished my spirit hosts. We can start with that. Yeah, looking look great. great. Yes. If even I like them, they must be great. Yes. You used some uh, some of the new contrasts, yes? Yeah, they're on a... I based them white. Then I did a coating of white uh, ink mixed with a... Cool. A yellow oxide ink. So mixed those. Okay. So it's basically like 10 to 1, because the oxide takes over really, really well if you put it in the white ink. <laughs> Understandable, and that that is to give it a bit a bit of a shift in the coat itself. And then I did uh, a layer of uh, what is it? Uh, a Talasar blue. That's the name of the ah the, of the uh, the contrast paint that I mixed in a bit of the base coat in that. Ooh. And 
all of these coaches need to have a drop of uh, a matte varnish as well okay. to, to remove that uh, shine that yeah. inks and uh, contrast paints have. So cover them. Then I did basically highlighting and shading with uh, different contrasts and mixed in with the base coat. Mm-hmm. And then added some uh, detailing to the end with uh, a purple. Sweet. It was a really actually quite fast way of doing it. Because you basically did them wet on wet all the time, so you could mix them and blend oh, them. Oh, nice. I haven't painted like that for like two years, I think. It's a yeah. really fun way to paint, actually. Yeah, it is. And it worked really well, given the high density of pigment in the contrast yeah. paints. You also did a nice work on the bases, even though they're round. The bases yeah. look great. Well, given how blue the... the Ghosts were, I had to make a kind of muted, but still uh, yeah. intensive base. It could actually have something more to look at than just the blue. And if anyone disagrees with the bases, just tell them it's for Warhammer Skirmish. I'll yeah. think of a scenario and we will play with it. Given You can use most creatures on any base if you want to play yeah. the monster hunt scenario in the Hive book as well, if you really want to. Oh. Oh, that's true. You, well, you can adapt probably to use Spiritos instead of uh, like White Lions or Chimeras yeah. or something. So that's another use for them, which is nice. Yeah. And the uh, main reason I did these was I wanted to play around with the contrast paints more, in a more than just I will have this standard model that I will have no use of. Because that would, would be the option paint a model that you have no, yeah. no use for. And we all know how fun that is. Yeah. Because then it wouldn't even be a model that you were just, hey, I'm going to paint this to the best of my ability and put it in a cabinet. It would just be, I'm going to try this out and then throw this model away. Yeah. And that would be pointless. I agree. Yeah, but as you said, I've also started a bit with my elves. And I have a list in front of me of models that will be done before Christmas. I say this now, knowing full well that I will panic in about two days. (laughs) But I have, this is a, um, a list that only has uh, WYSIWYG upgrades, more or less. It doesn't have any magic items or anything like that. It's, uh, yeah, if it's there's a com- like, the commander, it has the elf steed, it's got the lance, the dragon armor, the shield. Yeah, like bare basics. Yeah, so it's 2,000 points. You would take three points. I mainly take. But it's Imric, Dragon Prince of Kalidor, which will be a conversion and my little uh, bonus for making the rest of them. Then I have a it's, com- no, yeah. it's always important to give yourself a treat. We yeah. are, we talked a bit about that earlier, and it's very, very important to treat yourself once in a while. Yeah. And uh, we could also spoil a bit about the December challenge, which is a Lord challenge. So if you want to prepare a Lord, uh, then I'm going to paint the commander on Elf Steed, which was the one I just mentioned with Lance and Dragon Arm and all that. Yeah. A mage. But uh, so I can't really model the honor or the, the spell scrolls, so it's just a mage. Uh, ten archers with light armor. Uh, five silver helps with uh, heavy armor and shields. Uh, Twenty spear elves with full command. Five silver helms. Five shadow warriors. Five dragon princes. Fifteen swords monsters. And the last one of my repeatable drawers that are still not painted in the, nice. in the drawer next to me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh, doing, as uh, you alluded to, a couple of conversion products as well. I'm going to start with the archers, which will just be armored archers made from the plastic kits. Yeah. And a bonus plastic kit that's uh, not a high elf kit. Oh. 
it's the heads from the Glade Guard kit. <laughs> nice. That's going to look so good. Yeah, they will all have that mystery wind in their hair. <laughs> it's also to represent that uh, this company is from... Um, can't remember the, the name of the, the, the city just because of that. But uh, the one that uh, Lord Salador controls in uh, the War of the Beard setting. Ah, because okay. there's there's uh, elves, elven refugees from that city that later on ended up becoming the first wood elves. So that's why they have the special heads. Mm-mm-mm. Nice. Then I'm working on uh, a silver helms. They will be the uh, conversions of uh, the Dawn Riders that, I've, that we've shown off on the Instagram, which are massive horses. They're just massive. They are. So they're technically not horses. They're Elven steeds, so we don't know El- how El- elven steeds are. <laughs> and this is still in these. Since I'm, my arm is based on, I don't care if I play it in the current timeline, so to speak. It's still set as an army from the War of the Beard era, which means that they're still the old breed of of uh, Illyrian horses left. Nice. The royal horses, which were larger and slightly intelligent, and they must be intelligent since they can pretty much hover. For some reason, <laughs> the power of mind. Yeah, and uh, there we go to the spear elves. Which the first unit I was I was planning to do uh, a conversion of the Lumineth spearmen for, at first, but I think that's a bit too much unless I can uh, manage to get a sponsorship for three more units of them. And they're because they're ah. really expensive. Yeah, and uh, it wouldn't be any point unless I can make two units of them. That's true, and that's. About uh, fourteen hundred kroners. Yeah, it's gonna be pricey. So, yeah, can get so much more fun stuff with that. Yeah. So I'm gonna do it the uh, the proper way and convert dread spears because I have mm. dread spears. Mm. Nice. And this has a lot to do with the plastic six dead high elf spearman kit being awful. Yeah, their hands are too big. Their heads are so strange. I don't know what else to say about them. <laughs> the heads are so narrow to the bodies. Yeah. And it, it's just getting worse with that cone head they have. Yeah. They they did a lot of great uh, plastic kits in that era. Those weren't one of them. That's true. Would all, almost wish that they had kept the metal ones or just uh, recast the metal ones in plastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I would much rather feel the, the old 4th edition monopose plastic ones than going with the 6th edition plastic ones. Yeah. Which, hint, hint, I'm gonna do eventually in the future. Yeah, yeah I, if I hadn't had uh, my backup plan of converting Dread Spears, I would have gone with uh, the the deal you're, we had talked about with your, your buddy for dwarf. Yeah. But uh, that's... That's that. That's not more you can do. And, I mean, converting stuff, why not? It's a fun thing to do those days you just can't paint. Yes. And speaking of converting stuff, I have been, I have tried to find alternate uses for my Luminous Spearman. And they will probably be a Warband instead. Nice. And I guess this Warband will be in a certain game called Mordheim. No, I will uh, play Warcry, obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> they will probably be able to play <laughs> play in Warcry, but they won't be in Warcry in, intended for Warcry. Most likely, yeah. And does this have anything to do with uh, 
November challenge that I'm going to spoil right now because people might uh, need time to prepare, which is a terrain challenge. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to build a bit of a terrain as well with this. Ooh. And if you're doing an Army of Parade board, it's going to mention that that will be allowed as terrain in the terrain challenge if you finish one. I wish I could build terrain, then I would make one. Yeah. yeah I've been thinking this uh, This is, is the High Elf uh, warband from the Lustria setting. Yeah. And they got everything I can build, like lore master, rangers, sword wardens. Sword wardens, I have a spare, spare ranger bits. I have a sword master bits. I have... I even find a lore master from Aethid that I started converting for mm-hmm. something. The only thing I don't know if uh, if how many sea guard or cadets I'm gonna build because those are the henchmen. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Mm. Sorry for that. It's That's fun. Okay. It's fun. I might. Uh, yeah, I got a little fitting project for these. I'm gonna be quiet about until uh, closer to November. I think. Indeed. Yes. So, news. New stuff coming up. There's a new set of pipes for 40k being released. Yeah. And, because uh, everyone needs more pipes. Exactly. Do we have uses for them in fantasy? No. But there might be some things coming up soon, like the upcoming cool Warcry models. Yeah, they're getting a new starter kit. Which is... Yeah. Uh, in the vein of the last one, which had a load of terrain in it, but it's less terrain than this one, way less terrain. Yeah. So hopefully it's a bit cheaper. I hope so. But the models inside are scrumptious. Yeah. So this is the Catacomb starter set, which uh, features the stealthy elves of the Canine Shadowstalkers. Of course, we know them in our setting, the Shades, with a Shadow Mage. Yeah. Yes, all the models have these crazy magical shadow capes. I think they look kind of neat. I would love seeing these in uh, in more time, of course, because they they look perfectly for the setting, and uh, just go go nuts on uh, painting them with Lustria themes. It would look so cool. And uh, if you don't like the magical shadow capes, you just cut them off and give them proper capes. Or smooth them out and uh, yeah. smooth them out and add and fill in the holes because yeah. looking at them now, the cloaks are pretty flowing up to a point and then they start to turn into shadows and yeah. at that point you could just smooth it and uh, fill it. And so shouldn't be too hard if you if you can't do it yourself, ask someone else who certainly can. I mean, everyone yeah. knows at least someone who's quite hobby savvy, so to say. Yeah. And uh, maybe just ask them to show you how it how it's done, and then you can do it for yeah. yourself going forward. Learn the ropes. And these, all of these, as I said, more time. I'd say they would make great heroes and unit ca- champions and characters for a dark elf army. Oh yeah, the the mage leader of them is she could, of course, be used as a sorceress. Yeah, if you mod it a bit, it could be used as a sorceress or a mist mage for a load yeah. list. Ah, cool. I because like how you think. Yeah, you have the same mask as a shadow uh, as a mist weaver after all. Yeah. Which is nice. Indeed. And then you have new assassins. You have a mage uh, mage shade, which could be a cool mage if you do a mostly not not like a cult army, more of a raiding army. Yeah. So it's nice to see they have uh, have these models and I, this bodes well if they're ever releasing a 
army of Malarium. Unless, of course, they got wide enough stances on the new models that comes in that army to not fit on 20mm bases anymore. Yeah. Then we have the Science of the Flame. And those guys I like because I see a lot of potential for me and my hobby with them because uh, a lot of them are like, they they don't have too much detail, so they're going to be easy to convert, easy to uh, add stuff to, like pouches, bags, whatever. And uh, then we have the Flame Sword Samurai. I just can't wait to find out some way to use him in my games. If he's I'm big saying, enough, if he's big enough, he might be a Chaos Warrior. Uh, that's probably a 32 mil base he's on. So, and his Hopefully. feats are, yeah. They, if you go by the other warbands, they have 32 and 28 mil. Yeah, bases. and. The other warband models, they are like kind of the same size as uh, Plastic Chaos Warriors. Yeah. So I'm thinking this one, some kind of champion, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, then we have the flaming guy who could easily be used as uh, some kind of warlock or a wizard. Just find a use and use it. There. And uh, for someone like me, I like painting flames. I'm going to look forward to painting these guys. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, one that has a flaming rag on a rope that you can throw as well, which is a lovely model. Yes, I'm going to look a bit more at them. And uh, they're, I think she's a mage. She could be used as a chaos sorcerer or just with a minor conversion, a perfect bright mage for Empire. Yeah, you could add a, like a burning brace on top of her stuff instead yeah. of that. And uh, if you remove all of the flames, maybe change the head a bit, so you, you don't. That's a isn't that a symbol on her head? Isn't that a Woodolf symbol? I'm not sure. Looks like it looks like the symbols on the Glade Guard. Yeah, kind, so kind of does. Nice. Yeah, but if you change the head and change the top of the stuff, you could possibly make her into a 30k or 40k psyker, like a cult psyker. Oh, or an astropath yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's a lot of versatility in this kit. And going from uh, from like a samurai on flame to a guy that's literally on flame to yeah. the, the understated ones, like the one who's got the, uh, the rags on the rope that I mentioned and the girl that has uh, just a burn. The only fire has is a bit on her axe. That's yeah. quite a n- nice set to start off with conversions, I think. Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to playing around with these guys, and uh, hopefully I'll fi- find someone to split the box with. Yeah, that pro- would probably not be a problem. Shouldn't be. And speaking of games we don't play but like models from, uh, there's a new Warhammer Underworlds starting box as well, uh, the Dire Chasm box set, and that uh, fit. Yes. The Slanishi headmites of the Dread Patient pa- 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 entered the Living Mountain in search of Slanishi. Blah, 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 blah. And then you meet some Miari purifiers, a band of Luminate Realm Lords. A pledge to calm the mountain's growing wrath. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't seen any models from that box yet. We, but have, we seen, have seen uh, artwork. And, uh, we have also seen some uh, bits on the. Uh, what is it called? The preview that he does. Yeah. The Monday bits box. Some, yeah, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to see how the Slanish Beastman looks like. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to see what use I can get out of the, the, the obviously quite high elven mage with a magic owl that's gonna be in that kit. 
that will fit the theme of my army so well. So did, that's one of the bits they previewed, that owl on his hand. Yeah. It's nice. I, I really like these Underworld's Warbands if you just want something nice to paint or just want a character, because they got great models. All of them yeah. got great models. Oh, yeah. And then the last one, the the well-camouflaged one. Which one do you refer the to? Otapatl, the chameleon skink. Oh, yeah. That one. And I love that they're go, going back to a more real lizard looking yeah looks really really great yeah and it makes it it fits because they are lizards they are not human they're not all of them are that human or they are yeah. alien that's just nice oh no i closed my preview page yeah that was all that's pretty much in it we unless we want to go for the we're we gonna we're, we're gonna go for the slanish lord because damn. yeah People... i'm thinking that could be Easy conversions for most games, actually. Yeah. Uh, there's an upcoming box called Shadow and Pain, uh, which clashes uh, the Servants of Slanish against the Daughters of Cain. Uh, I'm sure you could find uses for the Daughters of Cain models. Uh, they could you could paint them in pink. Yeah, you could use them as the Slanish <laughs> stuff. You can... Uh, you could, of course, just uh, count them as other units, like... Uh, like uh, what are they called the uh, the fast cab stuff that dark elves have? Yeah, dark riders. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Such an easy name. But in the box we or have the warlocks. If you want. Yeah. To. Uh, in this box, they're releasing a new Slanish lord, and he's he, he's amazing. He he's big. He has a huge two-handed mace. And I mean, huge. It's like, this is what the demon prince would wield. Uh, he barely has any armor. It's a lot of leather, like, st stuck to his skin. Yeah, leather stockings and stay-ups. Yeah, it's like, the, this is like classic Slanish meets, uh, looks like uh, modern Slanish. It's, it's really good. I would love to give this guy a helmet, preferably the helmet with many eyes. And uh, use him as a Chaos Lord with Helmet of Many Eyes and a great weapon. Yeah. And you can, he got some kind of like a coin-based scale mail on one yeah. side. You could just run with that team and give him a bit more armor if you want to Yeah, just change sure. change him up. You don't really have to give him to Slanish, but you could change him up a bit so it doesn't look like that model from that Age of Sigma box, so to speak. Yeah. So the, there's when when this model was was shown at the Warhammer preview, I I just knew that whenever I start my Kurgan project, I think it's gonna be Slanish because yeah. uh, like like we talked in our uh, Chaos special earlier, uh, the Slanish spells go quite well together with a fast army, and the Kurgans are gonna field knights and marauders and uh, a few warhounds. So yeah. How do you feel about those uh, marauders that's in this box, then? Well, I would love to put them on horses. I actually do have one of those boxes at home, so they might be the marauder horsemen that I will use, but I will give them horses instead of those steeds of Slanish. Uh, do you have any horses in mind for those? I think I do have marauder horses somewhere. So yeah, just put those guys on marauder horses. Should be enough. Might uh, might give them some other weapons uh, because I don't want whips and I don't want those crab-like elongated arms because I want to use flails. 
Yeah. And uh, for Chaos Chariots, I wouldn't use the normal Chaos Chariot. I would use the Demons, Demonet of Slane Chariot. But I would give it horses or something else and just stick a Chaos Warrior or two on top of it. Sounds like a good idea. I'm, I really like that uh, the Melusai Iron Scale. It's the Daughters of Cain character. That box. Yeah, it looks, looks really great, actually. I wouldn't use it in a from a fancy setting, but uh, it would be fun to paint. Yeah, for sure. I've seen so many of the Melusai models painted recently with different kinds of snakes in mind, and they all look so great. Cool. They're really painter's models, so to speak. Yeah, and since there are countless of snakes to use as, as inspiration, you can go with like any kind of look on them. Yeah. You could, for instance, do like a baby uh, what's it called baby hugorm just spray it black yeah. and then gloss yeah simple yeah that's uh, the viper we have in sweden that one. or we could do like a the other one because we do not really have snakes in this country it would be <laughs> either a snoke or the one the lizard pretending to be a snake which is the comparella <laughs> now we could just paint it like uh, the new color what's it called uh, the Canoptic alloy with the highlight. Yeah. Yep. So the Swedish snakes wouldn't be that interesting to do with this. Nope. Unless you do like a full-grown hugon uh, with the yeah the white markings and uh, everything, but or the yellow-eared snook. Yeah. yeah like there's... a black snake with two yellow dots behind its ears. Yeah. I think that uh, they're more interested in snakes too use for this one if if, if we're never ever gonna paint it but this is probably a model that people are gonna pick up if they want the box or wait until it's released separately yeah because it's hard to if you play fantasy and want to split this box who's gonna get all of the models that you can't use yeah exactly unless you really want to stretch some of the lore which is fine if you base them correctly and uh, make up a story and paint them really good yeah or paint sure. them I can't really say anything but paint them. <laughs> yeah, but the flying, the flying ones, we've talked about that before. The yeah, either as whatever like, called. Yeah, you could use them like, as harpies, or yeah. you could give them demonic claws and use them as uh, furies. Furies? Yeah, slanish furies. Or if you really want to stretch it, you could give them crossbows and uh, <laughs> use them as, uh, what are they called? Oh, the, the Dogs of War units. Yeah. If you really want to stretch oh, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are they called? can't remember. Alcatraz Birdman, I think, or whatever. Birdman, that's correct. Birdman of, uh, yeah, Birdman of something. But then they would be really good if you used the, the new uh, Admech unit from Fortiki, the Flyers. Uh, yeah. Those wings would be perfect for a conversion of they those Birdman. Here they are. Birdman of Katrassa, or Katrassa. Yeah. Because yeah. it's double Depending Z. On, but that depends on where you're, where you're from and uh, which language, yeah. which dialect you're talking as well. It is easy for us that does not speak made-up fantasy languages. Yeah. Speaking of made-up fantasy languages, should we go into the hobby projects from Ju end of July, from the challenge? Because we're a bit yes, late. Yes, why not? Yeah. Well, it's easy to be late when you haven't been able to record for a month or so, for reasons. <laughs> yeah. Either someone was Life. ill or someone couldn't do it or, yeah. Yeah. People went on uh, 
I can't really deal with reality, so let's go sit in the woods for a week. Trips as well. Those kind of things. Yeah. Maybe it happens. Me. Yeah. But in uh, July, we had uh, war, uh, had uh, chariots. Yeah. And some people actually finished chariots. They did. One who didn't was uh, Christer. Yeah. Even though I gave him a 23 hours time to finish it, I didn't finish I it. I saw his... Last time I went to my gaming basement, it was still in the same shape it was when he posted it first. Uh, well, got this uh, Dan didn't quite finish, and then he has uh, a little oxen with a cart. Yeah, but it looks good. Yeah, it will be. I think, I when think it's, it's 3D printed. Could be. It looks good. Yeah, it is. It is. And we had alternatives, of course, in uh, July. And uh, Ted yeah. posted some lovely spearmen. Yes, some of the spearmen which you and I loathe, but they can still look yeah. good when painted up. Yeah, so, well, the models look fine when painted. Yeah. It's just that I don't want to paint them. I hate them that much. I don't <laughs> want to paint them. That's just a personal preference. Yeah, we all have those units that we would be fine to, to have painted on the tabletop, but we won't do them. That's just yeah. how it is. And it might just be for me. They are some of they're a kit I struggle with already when they were released. <laughs> because the Dark Elf kit that was released alongside them, pretty much, was so much better. Yeah, yeah. And that kit wasn't good compared to the next Dark Elf kit. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. The only thing the High Elf kit got over the Dark Elf kit is that you can have a nice two-handed spear, spear wielding of spear. Oh yeah, uh, one of them can point the spear forwards. Yeah, you can have a, you can have a or, two-hand, yeah. two-handed because yeah. the only thing, if you want to do that with the Dark Elf, you just have to tilt the, the spear forward, which means you raise the elbow up above the shoulder blade, pretty much. Yeah. And that's it looks not weird. It's yeah, and it makes, unnatural. Uh, it makes ranking them even harder because you put a spear in the yeah. space where the next, next model should be. Then we have uh, Ulf, who posted, uh, I'm not really sure what they are. Are they fanatics? I guess, or militia. Yeah, they're, they're no, no matter what they're they are, farmers. they're really cool. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're Operation Human Shield. This yes, they have one job: protect the important ones. Yeah, but they look like they are praying. So, I guess fanatics. Yeah, not uh, fanatics. Uh, he, <laughs> he did post. They are count as flagellants. So, oh, well yeah. Then. then we have Jacob who painted up a. He he made a squig chariot, which accounts as a wolf chariot for his night goblin army. Nice. Where was that? Was that uh, in? It's, it's uh, just above Ulf's Ulf's models. It's not for me. <laughs> it is for me. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can change the settings in Facebook. Nope. Well, describe Weird. it for me. Weird. It's uh, the model is based on the orc boar chariot, and uh, it's being pulled by two red squigs. And there's three night goblins in the cart. Ah, yeah. Then we have uh, Joseph, who posted two lovely and pink and purple slaneshi beastman chariots. I'm gonna see if we are in the same thread. No, I'm in the starting post up there. Uh, Yeah, here now I see this chariots. Oh, they're quite colorful. Love yeah. it. They're otherworldly enough for me. So they just stand out and look that's awesome. Like, that's like bubblegum pink. Classic Slanish. Purple, yes. Uh, I don't 
I'm going to see if we had something on Instagram. I'm just going to say this. We do check both the starting and the end thread, but it would be quite helpful if you were to post them again in the end thread if you post them in the starting thread. Yeah. It's fine to post in the starting thread, but it would make it a lot easier for us to find them when we're talking about them if they are all in the same thread. And if that means that we should leave the end thread open for a day or two more, fine, just say that and we make it happen. Yeah. Because we don't want to over- overlook and miss when you you make a lovely hobby and just miss it because yeah. it's in the wrong, so to speak, wrong thread. I found some miniatures on Instagram, but I didn't find the starting posts. But there is a quite nice, uh, cor- no, no, it's not corpse cards. It's the, uh, what is it called? The Black Coach uh, painted by Thankwells.Lair on Instagram which is the classic uh-huh. model. It's always some nice hobby coming out of that lair. Yeah, it is. Honorable mentions goes to Middenheimer. He didn't paint or build anything for the challenge, but he do have a couple of cool chariots, which is like his... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't think I know what he's using them as because he plays with them in Ninth Age, but it's like uh, like the Empire Warrior Priest Wagon, but for a Wolf Priest instead. Oh. Well, we always uh, into nice hobby pair. Oh, yeah. And then we have the next month, August, where we had uh, War Machines. Yes, and this one I know we have some in the starting threads. So oh, start yeah. As usual, Ted started out with uh, some Chaos Dwarf stuff, and he did finish them. Yes, and he's uh, doing, if you're going to check out the uh, challenge that the Chrono Command podcast are running, he's doing a lot of Chaos Dwarfs. Yes, he is. He is. I tried to talk him into uh, joining our challenge with those just because I want to see the (laughs) hobby, but uh, he he just uh, can't count with, well, I got a lot lot, lot of cool green skins to show you guys. (laughs) That's fair (laughs) enough as well. Yeah, there's uh, someone named Christopher who says he's gonna finish his casket of souls, and I have seen no casket of souls. Too bad. Have you seen a casket of souls? I have not. No. Uh, then we had uh, a lovely set of dwarf flame cannon. Oh yeah, the old one. Yeah, the one that just fits on a cav base, basically. Yeah. And uh, Guido posted a, a really nice four-photo spread in that thread if anyone wants to check it out. So you can see it's from uh, all angles. Mm-mm-mm. I really love... Uh, that, that model is so characterful. And it's so under <laughs> so under and over-dimensioned at the same time. Yeah. It's a miracle, really. It's got that really, really tiny fuel supply, the massive bellows and the massive uh, <laughs> gun barrel. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a lovely model. It is. As we talked about previously in this episode, the old metals had really, really much character. They did. They sure did. And that was all of uh, the kits from the intro, I think. We need to check out the end post. Uh, we have David, who painted up a quite wonderful piece of artillery, a uh, Hellstorm cannon. No, it's not Hellstorm. It's Hellstorm is the other one. This is a... Uh, yeah, the Hellblaster. Hellblaster, yeah. The Goblin yeah. Slayer. Yes. 
I will always remember that day. <laughs> well, 30 Jens, hits. Yeah, 28 Jens, died. Didn't Jens do that both of our, our game days, the same yes, thing? he did. <laughs> and uh, he, this... Uh, Hellblazer can be found on his Instagram videos at Bane underscore of underscore chaos. If yeah. anyone wants to check a bit check more. Because it looks really good, I have to say. Yeah, really muted metals. It's like rusty and oily. It looks well used. And yeah, the crew members a, are awesome. It uh, looks proper Grimdark Sixted. Yeah, so to speak. it does. There, it's not overly flash it's not overly colorful but it's colorful enough in the right places yeah i mean that blue on the sleeve of the engineer or gunner master gunner is just yeah. perfect and those low shoes and stockings there on yeah. which is just they pop so practical nicely. yeah so practical but it's high fashion you have to have it those. is <laughs> and then we have another photo of ted's lovely rocket yeah with green bases but brown edges yeah and that's been always a topic of uh, discussion that uh, yeah. how you would how do you paint the sides of your bases yeah because there there seems to be a vogue again for black rims on the bases yeah and i always go black mainly for the reason that i don't consider that part of the base part of the mini it's just uh, something enough. it's the same reason why i don't paint uh, a movement tray or anything other than black yeah because it's not part of the mini or battle that just just how I deal with it. If we, I know that you uh, put uh, snow on the sides of your goblin yep. moving train, that's fine. It's just yeah, each their own. Exactly. It's your hobby. Yeah. Also, if anyone checks out that uh, little uh, end post from uh, August, you can see a spoiler of an early work in progress of my spearman. Yeah, the musician. Yeah. Just lovely that you have to use four kits to build one mini. <laughs> I know this too well, yeah. but I, I, but I'm not building an army like this. I, I just build warbands. Yeah, but most of them uh, will be quite easy because the shield arm is easily modifiable with a scalpel to make it look. Because yeah. they, they will have the chainmail. I've made the artistic decision to make them have chainmail. As I said, they're set as a unit during the War of the Beard where they had a lot of free companies joining the army that were basically yeah. just dressed with the money the lord that owned the city paid them with. So, yeah. And uh, then they're going to be hand, hand swaps and uh, modify the helmets and remove overtly dark elfie symbols on them. Yeah. I do like that you used the uh, the gemstone with the feathers on the on, on the helmet. It's just doing that, it feels like a high elf. Yeah, and those feathers work better on those helmets than they did on the 60 plastic <laughs> ones. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. The the unit champion will have the, one of the larger feathers. Yeah. and uh, Of course, he needs the largest. Because yeah. I have the feather, all of the feathers left from the archer kit and all of the feathers from the Spearman kit, so there will be a bit of a mix, maybe, yeah, maybe rank or importance. Maybe the back rankers just have one feather and the front rankers have two feathers. I don't know, we'll see. Hmm. It might also be a bit how many of these feathers do I actually have? <laughs> <laughs> but the unit champion will have like the three feather one just because it's the champion, yeah. And it's, uh, um, I really, really like these models actually. It was a pity that they didn't do these kind of kits for the high elves in the 8th edition. I agree. I mean, they did like the uh, 
the Dragon Princess in plastic. They did uh, Shadow yeah. Warriors, and those kits are really great. They look yeah. quite good. Uh, and the Shadow Warriors got uh, yeah. the uh, Sisters of Avalor yeah. and in them as well, so they got the multi-purpose. Yeah. But uh, they should have done the basic core unit. Because the yeah. Dark has got the basic core unit. Yeah. And they got a box that... Uh, well, I, I understand the, that it might have been hard to make a double box with spearmen and archers. Yeah. I mean, if you if archers always had light armor, like the old, old models, uh, I'm talking about the the Monopost plastic ones, they all had armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they had helmets, they had their chain mail, uh, no, plate mail and uh, breastplates so they were armored and uh, they had the same aesthetics as the spearmen so it looked really well when unified in the same force Mm. Uh, and uh, if they went the same route in eighth edition with their kits it would have been properly made it would have fit the army and its aesthetics because archers don't have to only wear their normal clothes no and you could probably have sold it and since the what are they called? The Dread Spears, Dark Shards, and Beak Swords, which yeah. are the three units you can make out of the box, all have pretty much the same pose. They just change. Yeah. Either you give them the, the repeated crossbow yeah. or sword or shield or spear or shield, and the spear and shield and sword of shield are just weapon swaps. Yeah. So it's so, pretty yeah. much just all in the arms. Yeah. So they would probably have to make them stand at an angle instead of straight on. Yeah. So they could have either a shield or a stretched out arm with a bow in them. Yeah. And they would have to have a head that's twisted instead of staring straight forward. So it would have been doable. But you would also probably suffer even more from the these look monopose syndrome. Yeah. But it would be better. It certainly would. I wonder why they, why they never sold the, the sea guards alone or made a kit for them. I mean, those models. Yeah, they did. They did? Well, they did sell them in a limited edition box in Age of Sigmar. Yeah, but uh, I I mean, just like only a box for those guys. Yeah, because they could have sold them as monopose. Yeah, they they did in 6th edition with with, uh, Empire Spearmen and uh, Handgunners. They were sold in a separate box eventually. I think they did the same with uh, works with additional hand weapon and uh, archers. It's same with the Illyrian Reavers, really. Yeah. Because those and uh, all of those units that was in Island of Blood was never released separately. Which was too bad. Yeah, because the, the Swordmaster wasn't released separately, what did I know. The Griffin wasn't released separately. Nope. And even though the Mage wasn't released separately, I still have four of them. <laughs> and no one ever used that Mage in their army. I have never seen anyone use it. Yeah, you have. Not, not I that I can one... remember. I had one when we, I think I used that one when we played last summer. Oh, I used yeah, the, the yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, so it's been stripped. Nice. It's going to be, a, that one is going to be a necromancer for my AOS army, my death army. <laughs> <laughs> because I saw a really cool conversion where it basically took that model, changed the top of the staff and changed the head of the model and removed some of the tassels. <laughs> And it was a perfect necromancer. They're just soaring around on a ghost ball. Cool. I see. No reason why not making easy conversions is a nope. good idea. I've actually also... seen that model being used as uh, I called Hellbrass as well. Ooh. Yeah, and it's a quite neat conversion as well. Nice. I'm planning to convert one into a techless. 
Ooh. using bits from the uh, one of the metal techlaces, like and uh, yeah, because he's he's a he's big enough. He's got the pose. He just need to change a bit so it looks more like technicalist than a generic mage. So it's big. Yeah. And that is giving him a sword and a staff instead of just having a staff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no possibility to even consider using the new <laughs> techless in <laughs> fantasy. That's just so <laughs> out the way. Yeah. He's, yeah. Even without that uh, large cat beast, he's uh, strapped to, literally, because he's, <laughs> he's uh, cast into the head of the little wing or whatever it is. That beast. Yeah. He's still a, about the size of a demon prince. Yeah. It's like you would take a L'Oreal off the giant stag beetle and put her in a fantasy yeah. army. She's still a 50 mil base or something. Yeah. Gorgeous models, but won't work. Nope. I could see her as a female Orion countess. Without a doubt. That would yeah. work. It would look good. Yeah. It is a lovely model. Yeah. And we all know that the L'Oreal is Ariel anyway. Yeah. But it would be hard to use her, her as a L'Oreal in a Maiden Guard unit in uh, Sixted. <laughs> Unless yeah. you, at the same time, use her as the unit filler. <laughs> but on the other hand, she has no melee capacity. She's a spellcaster only. Yeah. So it could make, technically make it work as long as you counted handmaidens as wounds for that base. But <laughs> yeah, it's a stretch. She's the avatar of the ever-living forest, but... Yeah. She's never been described as being larger than an elf. Nope. Could possibly use her as a treeman. That would actually work. Like a treeman ancient, so she got the mage, the casting, and... Don't get ideas, man. Nah, that that is uh, like a 950, 60, close to a thousand kroner kit, so no. (laughs) Not yet. Too too expensive for now. Yeah, it's too, too expensive unless I can... Either find it secondhand, get it as a gift, or actually have a proper plan for it. Because it might yeah. be really cool to use in that Dryad army I started. Because I because I did paint Dryads in yeah, you did. March or something. Yeah. And some of them are actually so close to be finished that they could finish them tonight, but I won't. Because I got another project. I need to finish this Iron Hand. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that could be quite... Interesting to you, maybe use her as a treeman or something like that. I don't think she's as big as the new treeman, the Aethered one. No, she's she is smaller, uh, but, but uh, she, she's about the same size as uh, the older treeman. Yeah, dark like too, and uh, yeah, so it would fit in that way. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh well, we all know what happens with the most of my ideas, <laughs> so let's probably not. Do we have anything else, or should we move on to the main topic? I think we can move on to the main topic. I don't think there's anyone, anything else. We can remind people that they can still enter the uh, September challenge, which is uh, Camry. Yeah. So, yep. Or a core choice, I think yeah. you said. And uh, October will be a bit of a different challenge. You will see when it uh, is released, but it's a bit different. It's and, not October, we promise you. Yeah, it's, it actually is not October. It's more of a this is a holiday celebrated by part of the world and it's forced on the rest of the world yeah. kind of theme. You'll see. It's not It's not uh, Thanksgiving either, because that is November. But uh, <laughs> we got that theme for next month. And then there's 
since people might need to prepare, there's a terrain challenge for November and a Lord challenge for December. Yes. And if you want to paint an R. Ulrich in December, feel free. I have him here in the blister. I will open it now. Then you can paint him with one massive white beard and red clothes in December. Now the box is open and it smells like classic stuff. It smells like slightly carcinogenic, uh, melting plastic foam. <laughs> yeah. I opened mine a while ago because I w- we said we should paint it. Everyone on the podcast that had one should paint him. So. And we, we know to... that everyone in the podcast have one. And I if don't they think... don't, we'll make sure they have. Yeah. I think Jens have like four. I have three in total. Yeah. But I don't so... know where my other two are. <laughs> I know where the body is, but I don't know where the rest of the bits are. Yeah, but that's... Uh... This is something we're going to discuss off air, but there might be an intra podcast uh, challenge. And if we do go forward with it, we will let all you listeners do the voting. Yeah. And it would actually, we will set an end date so there won't be like, oh, right. One, one of us painted one and the other ones used, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you won by default. <laughs> yeah. But uh, please introduce the main topic. So in the next topic, Nicholas and I are going to talk about linked games and narrative battles, and I hope you'll enjoy it. The Altdorf Advertising Agency, the AAA, is looking for new customers. We provide advertising space and targeted campaigns on toads, in village halls, and we even provide our own official worthy lecturers, the owls. We are currently interested in promoting local wise old women, hedge wizards, imaginists, and purveyors of Cathay and Skyfire. Hello and welcome to a segment of uh, narrative gaming and linked gaming. Yeah. So today we're a bit short-staffed. It's just me and Jimmy here. Hello. But we hope we can make this uh, show worth listening to. Sure hope so. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I got the best partner for this because you and me have done some some of this gaming before and it's something that we really enjoy doing. Yeah, it gives a lot of life. To the games. Yeah. So, what do we mean when we say narrative gaming? It can be pretty much any game that you imbue with some kind of story. Yeah. Uh, and I saw like uh, a post made by Joseph uh, Pickett that also he lives in London. I usually play with him. Yeah. Uh, about uh, his thoughts on uh, narrative gaming that he posted on his blog, The Fox Lord. Uh, I think it's called The Fox Lord Paints. The, the blog, I, I know it's yeah. Fox Lord Paints on Instagram. Yeah, I think the blog's name, I'm going to Google it. But either way, you should check him out on Instagram as well, where he posts his Empire stuff. It is, a, is his Empire army like deserters and like mercenaries? Yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, so when you play Warhammer, what you, the minimum of what you have to do is write a list and have the models and most preferably paint them yeah. and then do battle. And uh, you can just rock up to a club and play your games and just think of uh, how to build a good list and how to win the battle. And then that's it. Just count the victory points. But I think a large portion of Warhammer players and especially the ones that are still playing Warhammer Fantasy are doing it because of the lore behind behind the models. Yeah, and these kind of narrative games can give a lot of life to battles. It You can play narrative games even though you have 
competitive lists. Fluffy doesn't mean bad. That's that's something people often think of when they hear a fluffy list. It's like this is going to be a bad yeah. list. Yeah, I hate that. Like when when uh, when big tournaments are going on, and then uh, someone faces someone, and then they ask like, "Oh, how did it go?" And they go like, "Well, yeah, he had a very fluffy list," and by that he means that he had a list that was not optimized. And I really despise that because you can have like a list built around your story that fits your army and it can still be good as you say yeah and like by no means would a general go to war with shit troops just because he he likes the idea of them except when you play goblets (laughs) (laughs) well he takes what he can (laughs) yeah um so yeah the how you actually play narratively can vary a lot like uh, yeah. something you can do that will always make a, gar- a game feel special for you is to just have a strong background for your army. And uh, it can be pretty hard to figure out if you're building a massive army to figure out like a whole background that encompasses all of the regiments. And their- And I find like the easiest and best way of doing this is to just focus on a couple of characters in your army. Yeah. And maybe a few regiments. Like for my Kislev, I have two heroes that I have thought up a lot of background for. But only one of my regiments I really thought of like a background for. The rest are more or less generic regiments that are commanded by the characterful characters. It's actually kind of the same for me, but I, I give all my heroes, uh, I have a multitude of heroes and characters, I'll, some a bit of lore and uh, a place in in the, the goblin society, so to say. Uh, but there is one unit that I always have, like, this is a named unit, and uh, they always also carry the same magic standard in every game. Nice. Although the unit's composition may vary in size, because sometimes gits are added because they take over another mob, or otherwise it's just 32 goblins with full command. But I've gone up to 50 in this unit before. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't know, it, it helps you not get lost in your narrative as well <laughs> if you have to come up with like names and deeds for your entire army. Although if a certain unit does well, of course I'm going to name them eventually. Yeah, or yeah, just name, name them throughout a campaign or something because of their deeds. Yeah. I mean, whenever my goblins manage to kill a, a dragon, they're going to be the dragon slayers with a Z. They do it better than dwarves, trust me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to start in your narrative gaming. You just yeah. like, write up a background story for your force, uh, maybe a few characters. And uh, then whenever you, uh, you game, you can always uh, just have that in the back of your head. Uh, like, this is your force playing against those guys. Uh, and then you can ask your opponent, like, well, what's the background for your army? And if that person also has a background for their army, then that's awesome. And then you can just come up with, like, a, why these two armies are fighting. Yeah. And that, this sounds like pretty basic stuff that, oh, of course you should do this. But you can easily get lost in just, like, a, a tournament mindset and forget the background of your army or just don't think about it that much and just... Oh, now I'm just playing Barbar accounts, and I hope I will win. Especially if you're playing like three games a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to a way to help out to give your army a bit of background. Yeah. Which is through linked games. Yes. 
So yeah, this is like my my favorite way of playing Warhammer. If you have like a day to spare or a weekend and you're gonna yeah. play it with your friend, you could use like rock up and play three games of two thousand points. And by the end of it, you'll be exhausted and you'll have a couple of wins, a couple of losses. Uh, but you will you you know, you can have memorable moment, moments. Yeah, but uh, they won't be the games that you remember for years to come. Usually, yeah, because so, the, the most memorable the most memorable games I've had up to date is actually our link campaign that you and I had. Yeah, it was like two years ago. Yeah, December twenty nine. No, December twenty eighteen. Yeah, and uh, we played for two two days with uh, did we play two or two or three games the first day we played uh yeah i think three and three then... games the first day and then we played two games the second day yeah. ending out with a bang yeah i think we were originally planning on doing more battles on the second day yeah. but we were both just <laughs> exhausted <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a lot of gaming yeah gaming so, can be tiresome yeah so this kind of gaming that we're talking about is uh Built around uh, special scenarios, so it's not just like the the pitch battle game. No, and uh, preferably you would have like a, a background for it, uh, like a yeah. backstory. I I really like just coming up with some intricate backstory, uh, tying in your characters and yeah. preferably the, the enemy's characters, and then just work out some scenarios that would fit this. Yeah, and and also scene. ways to play because you can play in so many ways. Like, like you said, you can play like pitch battles. But you can play special scenarios and even bring in some Warhammer Skirmish or yeah. uh, Warhammer Warbands. Yeah. And like building up the games in point value. So like you start out with a with a Border Patrol, 500 points. Then you play a, a normal pitch battle, 1500 points. And then you can play like 2000 or more and have like one of the cool scenarios from one of whatever books you can find. Yeah. Or end with a siege. Yeah. So uh, when I usually think of uh, like narrative gaming, like campaigns spring to mind, where you have like this game club and you have like a map and uh, you have like increasing point values depending on what happens on the map and yeah. depending on what you control. But it's like I've thought out these kind of campaigns a lot of times, and I've only actually played like one that worked out. That was actually just like over a long weekend because yeah. it's just so hard to to make it work to like get all because you you'll probably have like maybe eight players that you try and write into this to have, yeah. to have like a super intricate backstory and then you have to make it make it work by having everyone coming there uh, when they need to yeah. it's just so hard so it I, is. I really prefer just like having a weekend with one or two people that I yeah. know are also really keen to do this and just smash it out and just have the entire story then because also if you have it over like a period of a month or even months then like the your energy and like the the backstories kind of fizzles out and just becomes yeah. more of a, a game kind of thing yeah so I, i'm doing a warbands campaign now yeah and it's great uh but it's hard to like get a common story together um and to like be engaged in my warband at a like a narrative level because yeah. like you play your games and then you have to focus so much on like uh, the points values going up and down and what you should spend your point on to be effective and then the damage and stuff and I don't know it's 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 really fun to play as a system but I find it's hard to have like a really strong narrative with it like we would have over a weekend of gaming 
Yeah. Um, so what we usually do is we come up with a background and then come up with like a, a main scenario for the weekend. Yeah. I think it's like a, a, a good way to start. So Jimmy had gone in a fortress and he has a big night goblin army and I had kiss up at the time only uh so and we wanted to do a bunch of games so we decided of course there should be a siege and how should we like lead up to the siege yeah and i knew that we wanted like a big field battle so i could use all my cavalry and jimmy could field all these goblins yeah and it's a lot of goblins that i want to field (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then of course we wanted like some preparational battles before the siege yeah uh, so we started off with um, we had this some... skirmish patrol. Yeah. So the guy in charge of the fortress sent out some skirmishers to find out why people had gone missing in the mountains. And then we had a few cossars uh, searching like an old ruin. Yeah. In a wintry forest, and they got promptly eaten by squigs, if I remember correctly. Yes, and there was a troll am- amongst them as well. But he barely did anything. So the the goblins had sent out a scout scout party of uh, of a few squig handlers. They just acquired a troll in the woods, and uh, there were a lot of shortbow goblins. I actually thought it worked out well when I built the list because I I, I really wanted the ambush things. Like I can set out squigs when I need to. I can uh, plink you with my shortbows when I need to. But uh, Essentially, it was only the squigs that did anything. Yeah. yeah. So this is a skirmish. I think I had yeah. like 10 Cossars and you had... Yeah, like 20 or 30 models in total. Yeah. So yeah, so the, the patrol was eaten alive. I don't know if anyone escaped. I think uh, like a hand, barely a handful of models escaped. Yeah. yeah. So they, they I, I don't barely... know. I think, I think they were all no. eaten, actually. Oh, yeah, they did. Uh, I, I, I remember now because the squigs did did their job, actually. Yeah. Thanks to the handlers. So after this, in the story, uh, my main character of my Kessel Force, Alexander, uh, arrived to the fortress, Fortikova, uh, with his trusted fellow, Ivan. And uh, the guy at Fortress said that they had sent out a patrol and they had not heard from it. So Alexander took it into his own hands and uh, rode off with his whole force. Uh, And he was leading the Lancers and Ivan was leading the Ongol horse archers. And Alexander bet him that he would find this little lost patrol first and promptly rode off on his his own while uh, Ivan took another road with the horse archers. Yeah, And the next scenario, saw Alexander and the Lancers riding through a valley and yeah. being ambushed from either side by yeah. goblins. Yes. And this was a great battle. It sure was. It was devastating at start. I, I remember how my goblins just poured over the hills, engaging all units, fanatics everywhere, squigs everywhere. It was chaotic. Yeah. So uh, at one end of the valley, the Lancers were riding in. And then I think at turn four or something, we started rolling yeah. for uh, Ivan and the Ungols. And the Lancers had been pretty much decimated. They had been reduced to at least half, I think even less. Yeah, I, and, I think it was like a handful of Lancers left. Yeah, and the trolls were almost upon them. Yeah. And the, the goblins had surrounded them on all sides. And then I think it was even like the first roll that I made first or second made for Ivan yeah uh, and the, he arrived with the Ungols and promptly charged like all the goblin regiments in the side yeah, and rear and it's like when 
when that happened, it's like, this is what Gandalf does <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the two towers when he comes riding from the hill. It's like, yeah. he's going to save the day. Yeah, it was so good. Because, like, yeah, as you said, I definitely thought I lost. Like, all my Lancers were dead. And then this happened. And they, they did really well. I mean, Ungols are not super awesome in close combat, but just getting those rear charges uh, on Really mass, helped out. Yeah, really changed it over. Yeah. Uh, so that was a great battle. Yeah, I think it was like two bases of snotlings that survived for me. <laughs> <laughs> and some loose squigs. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. a it was a hard-fought battle. Ran off it, to the hills. Yeah, and when I thought the trolls would do something good eventually, they just fizzled. <laughs> Stupidity is a bad rule for them. <laughs> yeah. So after this battle, I think uh, I think we called it for that day. You know, yeah. the first day of battle, and then second day we started out with a big field battle. I think. Yeah, was it fifteen hundred points or was it two thousand? I, I don't know. I, I think it was fifteen hundred points at first. Yeah, yeah. My my kiss have has grown since <laughs> now like three thousand points. But yeah, I think it was fifteen hundred. Uh, so yeah, it was just an excuse to have like a, a regular pitch battle between yeah. my whole army and like half of your army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it ended in total disaster for Kisav. It's one yeah. of the my worst games ever. <laughs> <laughs> because fanatics, they are good. Yeah, it's just like fanatics popped out, killed some guys, they fled, causing panic with some other regiments, and then some other fanatics came up, and it was just total mayhem. Yeah. It was just, yeah, every, everything was just running in all kinds of directions. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a massive defeat. I don't know if it was a massacre or I simply... Think was, uh, I think it was a massacre, actually. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think any Kislevit model survived the battle. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I, I think actually, I, uh, I, okay. I remember one good thing in that battle was that uh, my Kossars were fighting your giant and yeah. uh, their unit champion got picked up and put in the giant's pocket. And then eventually the, the Kossars, <laughs> uh, they, uh, they laughed around him and he started chopping with their axes and eventually freed their unit champion. Yeah. Because Sultan lives. Yes. Uh, you know, I think uh, Ivan actually survived that battle. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I know that Alexander got crushed by a fanatic in the like the first charge. So yeah. for the main battle later, he was not taking part because he was just wounded, mending his broken leg. Yeah. Uh, but before the big battle, we did two... We yeah, two skirmishes. Skirmish. Yeah. Uh, the first was a uh, caravan game. Where yeah. you were trying to get goods and stuff to do, to get free free upgrades for the siege battle, like free uh, rock tossers, burning free burning oil, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, it was in this game that I realized that wow, being uh, outnumbered in skirmish is really painful. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think I fielded like thirty goblins, and that's not okay. <laughs> I I learned. That when playing skirmish battles, try to like if per human there should be two goblins. So yeah. I should have had like a troll or something to just fill out the points. We had was it two hundred points? I think yeah, uh, no, two hundred or one hundred and fifty points. It was yeah, it's quite small. And I remember you had a lot of archers that yeah, because it was, it was an ambush. They had like a, a good vantage point on a little hill, and yeah. they used 
peppered me relentlessly and then i tried to charge a goblin but he had like at least two goblin friends that yeah. just surrounded him and like i hit uh i wounded and then i roll like a uh, face up so nothing yeah. really happens and then you get to strike with one guy and he wounds and he gets a face up but then like because you're outnumbered you get such an advantage that you can use like keep pounding this guy and he can just never yeah. get up because in the meantime, your guy can get up and then he can get like a free strike and just kill yeah. him in that. And I think like goblins especially lose a lot of their weaknesses they have in bigger games. Yeah. That they have like a big block that can be easily scared away while in skirmish they, they're they basically just, like humans, but cheaper. Yeah. They do excel because they are really cheap, like two points per model, three if you upgrade with a spear or a bow. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't mind this game, though, because, uh, I don't know, like, if you're writing a story, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, really. It just nope. advances the story. Uh, I mean, I think it's more important to have more of a balanced main battle yeah. than, like, these small skirmish games, because they don't matter that much in the end. Like, uh, what, I could get, like, a, a pot of burning oil that you, in the end, gave me graciously because you had spent, like, the entire night painting it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the next scenario uh, was, or when before I, the scenario, actually, we we set up the table and it looked yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. I could just sit there for a day and just stare at the table. It was like one of those uh, old Games Workshop uh, display, display tables. Table. Yeah, with the with the battlements, uh, with, the, with the, what do you call them? Uh, the, uh, I forgot the name, the fortress. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fortress was in... In a non-standard shape, because no- normally you just have a square or just make it go across half the table. We made a little like U formation in the middle, so yeah. it was further to get to the gate. Yeah. So, uh, so we were like trying to come up with different ways of setting up the the wall the yeah. day before and trying all kinds of variations. And then like I, I thought of this thing, and then you had painted up the castle, but this actually requires another wall section Yeah, that you had at home, but you hadn't painted it or put snow on it. So I, I did that during the night. Yes. <laughs> so you were like, oh, it looks super cool. Now I got to go home and paint another wall section. Okay, goodbye. And then, <laughs> yeah. Made it so, and it looked great. I, I think yeah. it looks really cool because it looks more like a heavily defended city gate yeah. than just a, a wall. Uh, but before the game began, uh, we had another skirmish yeah. where some sneaky goblins tried to sneak in the night. Yes. Tried to disable the gate. Yeah, so if I won the game, the, the fortress gate would be open for me to enter in the siege battle so i was attacking in the middle of the night so and uh, nicholas had sentries around in the around on the walls and are walking around patrolling in inside the, the little, little settlement and uh, i was supposed to try to do it sneakily and whenever i tried to do something i had to take was it an initiative test or was uh... it you who were gonna take it i i don't remember which one yeah. was gonna take the test but I could be spotted. Yeah, I don't remember what the center rules were, but there were some rules where yeah. I basically didn't control my guys until they spotted something. Yeah, and uh, actually, they spotted me instantly. <laughs> yeah, 
it's like i think it's pretty hard to make those system work because like once either they don't spot something and you're like what the fuck like how yeah all my guys died and they were standing there not seeing what was going on it was obvious or you roll that they spot something instantly and they just they shoot down the, the intruders yeah so once I was spotted, I just like had to throw my troops inside those walls and try to disable the gate. But it was yeah. it was impossible because I could never I could never succeed with the with the climbing tests. It was like yeah. one goblin got in and he had to fight off three or four guys alone. Yeah. And he like he's holding <laughs> on to a rope while he's trying to yeah. battle these three axe wheeling maniacs, like hitting on sixes. Yeah. Oh no. I guess I didn't kill anyone and then he chopped down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun though. It's a very fun, yeah. fun scenario. Uh, yeah. And then it was the main scenario, which was the siege. Yeah. Which is awesome. Uh, I think we uh, we talked about this before, but we were supposed to do like a, a grand write up, but I mean, we you never, never to get it. the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a massive siege. Yumi had 3,000 points. I think I had three or. 3,500, somewhere around there. Yeah, and I was using both Kislev and Empire guys to defend. Use, yeah, you used Empire models as... Uh, didn't you Dogs use of War. As Dogs of War, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, the, the Siege Towers were really fun to use because I, I've never played a Siege before in my life, and uh, I've learned things during that battle which I will use for next Siege battle, which <laughs> is always buy ladders because your siege towers are going to break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had three of them, so you yeah. think they would get there. Uh, I but was... The thing with siege towers is you can't march with them. Yeah. So you get like a 2d6 yeah, free movement before the game. Yeah. And uh, then you can just walk. You can charge the wall, but you can't march up to it. Yeah. So armies like Skaven and Elves, they are fast when it comes to sieges, but movement for armies, or dwarves even. <laughs> I, yeah. I dwarves the... just turn the fortress to rubble and then just walk in. So Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually do love the idea with uh, dwarves in siege towers, because there is a really cool artwork in the... 5th edition siege rule book mm-hmm. where there's the this siege was this siege tower had just got gotten to the wall there's slayers pouring out from it <laughs> and on top of it there's thunderers shooting with their handguns oh nice yeah uh so yeah the i don't, th- I don't think we should go in too much into the siege we can do some highlights yeah. Yeah, uh, Ivan charged out with some riders. He got promptly uh, decimated by fanatics, as usual. Yeah. Uh, you managed to uh, get a foothold I... on the the left side of the wall. Yeah, uh, we have to mention the giant, the giant at the gates. Yeah, he who died <laughs> from a Kislevi charge. <laughs> Oh yeah, and he, I don't know, he fell over on your goblins, right? Yeah, <laughs> he fell backwards and like I had this unit with a uh, with the uh, the thing that you open do- doors with. What the hell is it the called? battering ram? Yes, uh, like a battering ram on wheels, and he fell onto them, killed off like a third of the unit. So they panicked and fled. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that, that was like what, what Ivan and his lancers were charging. Yeah, uh, it, they did that, and then they were then killed I, by fanatics. Yeah, when I barely managed to destroy uh, a tower, a siege tower on the left side as well. So I destroyed yeah. one fairly easily, I think. Yeah, it was like one. Sh- yeah, it was like one shot <laughs> turn two or three. Like, yeah, that was quite pretty quick. And then I killed the second one with crossbows, I think. And I think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should change that for next siege because it feels a bit weird. Yeah, the being able to. <laughs> to destroy a whole tower. I, they, I, I they're shooting they, like they fire can... arrows or something, yeah. but I don't know. Weird. It, it felt weird. But it did happen. Sho- it, shoddy yeah. goblin work. <laughs> and you were bombarding me with uh, catapults, but we yeah, realized that them. it takes a lot of concentrated firepower to bring a wall down. Yeah, it does. Unless you have a cannon, it's going to be a hard, hard game trying to get inside yeah cause... we had like we had to figure out the the chart for like 15 minutes like yeah eventually we just looked up in the old book and it was like that's where it is yeah <laughs> it's just a misprint in the in the rule book <laughs> yeah the way you add damage to to damage wall yeah uh, yeah, you, you managed to take foothold on one side of the wall, and yeah. then uh, the rest of your army decided that we can't do this. And then these guys reluctantly had to follow the rest of the army, because they couldn't yeah. take the whole city by themselves. <sighs> it was a hard-fought game, at least. I got foothold, like you said, on one flank. It was something. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and after this, we were totally exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> it- I haven't been that exhausted for a long time when playing a game. And being exhausted isn't something bad. It's just like, I've had too much fun. That kind of exhaustion. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like so much thinking. Just thinking of like the scenarios, how stuff should work, and then focusing on your units and the roles you're making for a I think yeah, it was even three days. I think we started on Friday and then yeah, oh yeah, Saturday, yeah Sunday. The, the first the first skirmish was on the first day, yeah, and then we played two games and then two games. Yeah, it's just a, an entire weekend of gaming. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. people who have been to like two or three day tournaments or events, they know what we're talking about. Except yeah. we don't have the time limits. Yeah, we can take all the time we wanted. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, what happened in the story as well is that uh, Fortikova was eventually reinforced. And yeah. Alexander claimed victory because he's the general of the army, even though he was not taking part of the, the actual he, victory. Yeah, he, he doesn't have to take part to, to get the glory. Yeah, I'm sure, sure he gave some tactical advice before, before the siege. Yeah, and you have recently modeled up uh, a guy like with this as a background, right? Yeah, uh, because... Because of the heavy losses for the goblins, uh, Warboss Gitfimpa, he he gained a lot of attention from other bosses because they didn't like his big great loss. He promised them loot and plunder, but he gave them nothing. Yeah, you can imagine yeah. this guy has been like recruiting guys and trying to yeah, get like, him over on his side for a long time. Like, oh, yeah. there's this easily taken fortress over there with the humans, and we can just take all of their stuff and just run away. Yeah. Humans are weak, they have nothing to defend themselves with. Yeah. And yeah, I would be mad at my superior if he promised me something and I didn't get it. Yeah, so there's this new guy uh, who I call. 
Git boss, because <laughs> Gits are nice, who actually <laughs> did take over the whole clan now. So he is my most recently painted Goblin Warboss, and I'm goddamn proud of him. Nice. I have, because of this guy, I have uh, started to repaint all my heroes and given all my goblins red noses, which I'm actually doing right now. Because they are on snow bases, they need red noses, which are most likely running with snot. It's cold. Yeah, I'm even even giving the snotlings red noses. If I would give my dwarves red noses, it would be because they're drunk. Yeah. (laughs) They're always drunk, so... (laughs) Not a bad way to be. Not Uh, a bad way. So yeah, this is our campaign weekend, and then this uh, this Christmas I am coming back to Sweden as well to visit my family that lives in the same town as Yimmy now. So we're probably yeah. gonna do another round of narrative battle. Probably yeah. it's gonna be dwarves versus goblins this time though. Yeah, still haven't settled on the final uh, story if it's gonna be like a war, uh, like a. A goblin, goblin war scenario, or if we're gonna do it present day, it would be nice to to like continue the current story of your guests as well. Yeah, and build some story around your guys as well. Yeah, because you built your dwarves for with, with War of the Beard in mind. Yeah, yeah. So no no black powder weapons and such silly things. Newfangled beardling ideas. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. So if if we do do a battle in uh, in the in uh, in the Goblin Wars, this will be the the starting saga of my Goblin tribe. Yeah, that is true. Some some legends that they still whisper the names of in the present day. Yeah, and if we decide to do it during that age, I will use my my Goblin carried on a shield, just like the dwarves. <laughs> nice. He's still on my desk. I should paint strip him and redo some of the sculpting that the guy did who I got him from. Uh, because I want to be more neat with the sculpting job. Nice. Yeah, I still don't know, like, uh, the, the key... Like, whenever I think of, like, this kind of weekend, I want, like, the, the key points of what I want out of this weekend. Like, what kind of battle. I think, like, an, an underground battle would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, with dwarves versus goblins. Maybe, like, a, a skirmish on the ground would be yeah. really... Yeah, I think we do have the dungeon table for that, if we want to. Yeah, there that'd be great. mine parts and everything. I'm just imagining, like, uh, only ironbreakers and miners fighting goblins on the ground. <sighs> yeah. Uh, All units will be stubborn on the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then I would like like a big field battle as well. Just like yeah. dwarves holding goblins on a hill or something. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool. And also like a siege. Like a, a siege is always cool. Yeah. I really are fond of sieges after our our weekend, actually. I'm longing yeah. for my next siege. I've been like, trying to get the guys at home to play some siege battles or like linked siege battles because there are so many linked siege games that you can play. Yeah. In the 6th Ed uh, f- uh, Facebook group, there's uh, like a whole PDF with siege yeah. games. It's really cool. I don't know, like, it, sieges are fun to play, but I think the most appealing thing is just like the visual yeah. aspect of it. Like, it just looks so cool. It's like yeah. the battles that you always wanted to play as a kid. Now we can. Yeah. Now we got the, the time and the means. Yep. This is why grown ups shouldn't have money. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. 
Uh, yeah, so that's also some inspiration for you guys uh, on what to play uh, with your uh, narrative gaming. Just, uh, just try and think of a story first that matches your two forces. And uh, while like the, the main point of it should be like the main battle and how you can work up to it. Uh, I recently did uh, a link gaming with Joseph that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I went on to his place and uh, we played some games. He had recently painted up his like fully painted a thousand points vampire. He's got some more stuff as well that's uh, ready for tournaments, but he was not quite done with it. So now he finishes 1,000 points, uh, so we should try and get some games in. And the main point would, of course, be a 1,000-point battle, uh, but we needed some games before that as well. And he's playing Empire, and I was playing Kislev, so I thought of, of like a, a nice scenario where uh, a Kislevite woman who was married to an Empire noble who died is now trying to take over this province in the name of Kislev, pretty much. Mm-mm-mm. Like by right of her ruling it, she will make it a part of the, the Kislev kingdom instead of the empire to, to break it away. Cool. Um, and Joseph has written a lot of background for his force, so it was pretty easy for me to incorporate him into the storyline. So his army is run by a like a disgraced noble who killed a man in a duel over a woman that was chased out of town, and he fled to uh, this forest in Talabekland, known as Forgesenwald, which means the Forgotten Forest. And there he recruited an army of people who uh, have either run away from the army or part of destroyed armies and were seeking refuge in the forest. Uh, And his second in command is a guy who in a battle lost his army and now he can't return because he's so ashamed. He's rode into the forest and now he fights for Friedrich. Uh, so yeah, he and his forces uh, will try to defend the empire against these Kislevite intruders. And to make it uh, like even more uh, appropriate for the story, my Kislevite force did not include any noble lancers. It only included Ungol horse archers and Kossars. Cool. So we started off with a Warband game. So Warband is small battles, like very small battles, 250 points, and unit sizes are uh, made smaller. So like the minimum size for infantry is three models instead of the usual 10, and cavalry is two models instead of four or five. So you can build really small units, but it's still like regimental movement. So it's not like skirmish where everything moves freely. You still have to move with units. And it's very interesting. And isn't it like you you can't buy upgrades until you've reached the unit's normal minimum size, right? Yes. Yeah, so you can't have a banner and a champion unless you're 10 models strong, usually. Cool. Uh, some some uh, some armies get some other rules regarding this because I know goblins can buy command at ten man strong instead of twenty. Mm. Yeah, there's a whole whole like small r- rule booklet for this. Uh, the PDF is also on the sixth edition page, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the first battle was like a battle for a little cottage on imperial soil. So the Kislevites had already started. Uh, chasing out imperial families because there's like a small minority of people of Kislevite descent there as well so they're just trying to kick out all the <laughs> the, the empire people uh, to claim it for their own own country with no one complaining about it uh, but Friedrich's forces uh, found them there at this cottage and decided they would attack them. Uh, and also, uh, Joseph did a great write-up on this on his blog. So another excuse to go and look at his blog. Go look at the blog. Go look at the blog. Uh, 
Uh, and they engage them. I deploy my guys haphazardly, as I assumed that they would just be walking around after claiming this village. Well, Joseph's stuff was more in order, and he had first turn, and uh, it was a great game. Uh, I thought I was going to win, and then he made some great moves, and then I defeated those moves, and I was even sure that I was going to win, but then he had some really great luck with his archers in that and managed to pull out the victory when it was only like two archers versus one Cossar champion left. Oh. So it's a real nail-biter, even though it was just a tiny battle. Uh, the second battle was a skirmish where some Kislevite messengers had to ride to the main army that was coming to tell them that there's now an Empire force standing in their way. And uh, this proves also with skirmish that sometimes it can be really swingy depending on the damage rolls because yeah. like you, it's, it's balanced in a way that you still have to roll to hit and to wound and saves and stuff like that, like normal battles. Everything is balanced that way. But the thing that can really change it is when you roll the damage, you either uh, kill them or they're face down or face up. Yeah. And a couple of lucky kill results, especially from shooting, can really change the game. Because it's, if it's a one, it's like, oh, nothing happened to him. And next turn, he can just stand and block the way anyway. Yeah. But if you kill like, a couple of guys in like the first couple of turns, then the game is really in your favor. And that is what happened when I shot his guys in the first and second turn. And the road was pretty much open for them to deliver the message. Uh, then I think we had dinner. <clears throat> dinner. And then we played a thousand point game uh, where my light cavalry really showed where they were made of and charged his army uh, early in the game. And he had to have some reserves because uh, the. <clears throat> Sorry. It's okay. <clears throat> Since the messengers made it through. Uh, they could inform the army that the empire was there and the empire would have to spread out over a larger area to try and counter where uh, the Kislevite army was crossing the river of Talabek. Uh, so when they did join battle, uh, he had to have some units in reserve. So he put his uh, knights and pistoleers in reserve. Uh, and if he would have killed the messengers, then he would have had an ambush battle against me instead because then he would know where the army would cross. Uh, and also because he took the cottage in the first game, uh, since his force was well rested, having had this cottage, a safe place to stay in, he was allowed one uh, re-rolled uh, break test from combat. And if I would have won that battle, then one of my units could start in a scouts because they had a forward position. Uh, so this game started with me rushing over to his side, killing a lot of units, uh, taking care of most of his life stuff, uh, killing his pistolers eventually. And in the end, he had like his full unit of knights, maybe they'd taken one casualty, and I had two des like two small rider units that had been wounded, my infantry and my Galgo gun left. But uh, I just couldn't kill the knights. It couldn't. I was shooting arrows and nothing happened. And he was just riding towards me. And we were like going around in circles, like the Benny Hill team song and all. And uh, we said, well, let's let's call it. Like, there's no clear winner. I can't defeat your knights, but you can't catch me either. Uh, and that was the first day of gaming. And then we did like a Sunday uh, hungover morning gaming session <laughs> where we had to chase pigs. So Joseph wanted to play this scenario for a while. He had these pigs for a while and then he painted them up. And then I said like, well, we can do it as, like, as a good finishing battle just to show how ridiculous war is and that no one really wins. And in the end, they're all just <laughs> chasing these precious few resources that you can get your hands on. 
So since no one could win the, the final battle, it was inconclusive, then the generals decided that, well, if I can't get victory on the field of battle, I might as well just take these prized truffle pigs and run off. And it was a really good scenario, actually. A lot of fun. So we, the pigs were like moving randomly, and then we both got like a herd each, and then furiously tried to shoot arrows at the other pig handlers to try and <laughs> make them run away and steal them. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was great. Nice. So that was a great weekend of gaming. Uh, and I know you brought your general's companion with you, right? Yeah. So this book is often called like the the greatest book this is, Workshop best yeah, released. It's, this is like the Bible for Warhammer Fantasy because there's so much good content in it. Yeah. I never thought Games Workshops all their content is normally from the UK. This book is from the Americans. They brought oh, us something really? good. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I think this book is just like like a, a couple of guys that have like a lot of hobby energy and great ideas for gaming and have done a lot of gaming. You just sat down for a whole weekend like coming up with great ideas and just writing them down. And you can really tell that like even in the first page, they're like, This is nothing official, it's just a bunch of fun stuff. If you wanna have fun, then they read this book reading. and come yeah. up with ideas. And uh, it's just great. It's just all kinds of scenarios, like skirmish scenarios, siege scenarios, campaign yeah. ideas, yeah, uh, like terrain. Yeah, map campaigns, uh, linked campaigns, like everything. It's they they have a lot of like uh, like the one I have here. It's uh, first they have a, a game of pitch battle, fifteen hundred points, which leads up to the skirmish scenario rally around the flag. Where where you're supposed to like rally around one of the fallen flags from the battle, and then you end with another pitch battle, and uh, the the army that won the the rally around the flag scenario gets bonus models in the final battle. Yeah, yeah. So that's also another great way of doing link gaming to have like uh, this in the book is like a. Uh, What's it called? Like when it diverges, depending on who won, uh, you play a different that's scenario. The, uh, that's the uh, a tree campaign. Yeah, a tree campaign. Yeah, and you can have like how many scenarios you want in a tree campaign. Like if if X army wins this scenario, you go to this side. If Y wins this scenario, you go to this side. And like it's like yeah. a, a like tournament brackets, but with scenarios. Yeah. So it's like if you, if you start with a skirmish and play like uh, an a sentry outpost, yeah, uh, and you lose, then maybe the enemy will have like a, an advantage that you don't know they're coming, so you have to like uh, deploy in marching order, like that the scenario where you, uh, yeah, yeah, or maybe yeah, you we, don't we, have your we, entire we army in the field, to, yeah. Or if you did win that, then you will have you still a regular pitch battle because then you're ready for a fight and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and it says, like, uh, in that book as well, early on, uh, they're saying, like, why are there so many skirmish battles? Because in most engagement between armies, there'll be a lot of skirmishes. And they'll yeah. just be back and forth to try and decide, like, where the battle will be. And just trying to get, like, small advantage bef before you just send your entire army clashing against the other army. Yeah. So there are a lot of skirmish scenarios in this. And I... Really urge you if you haven't played skirmish before, then just try it. And it's it can be so fast. Uh, yeah. Just just before a battle, just say like, just take ten of your models against ten of mine. Just come up with a small scenario and just do that before and give like a, you don't even have to give a bonus. It's just like great for the. It's the great overall. for morale. Yeah, it, and it's great for morale. 
Yeah, that too. And uh, you can use heroes even in skirmish battles. Uh, yeah. I would I would say don't use wizards because magic is going to be very very wonky if you play skirmish. Yeah. So yeah, I know there is uh, there is actually two skirmish scenarios in the skirmish book, which skirmish book is also a great source for ideas for linked battles because one of the skirmish scenarios is uh, assassination which is a great scenario if one army is high elves or skaven where there's either a assassin and a couple of shades or an assassin with a couple of gut runners who is trying to assassinate the enemy general if uh, if they succeed in slaying the general the general can't take place in the final battle if the assassin is killed, well, the Skaven army or Dark Elf army can't use said assassin in yep. the final game. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of uh, great scenarios in there, and or just like ideas for scenarios, because I know it can be a bit hard to come up with a scenario for a skirmish that yeah will be will be balanced as well, like just fun to play, because they yeah like you can easily tell a story, but getting it to like be engaging as well, uh, yeah. that is the the true art, I think. So these skirmish scenarios are great for that. And like we said earlier, they're great build-ups. Just if you you can start with a skirmish and end with a big battle, all in all, uh, like a campaign that me and a friend played pretty recently, where uh, we had I think it was four games, no three games actually, uh, where we started out with a skirmish scenario, uh, which was a modified scenario from the skirmish rulebook. Or uh, or it was the Warhammer annual. Uh, the scenario is with uh, Wilhelm and uh, what's his name? Uh, there's there's a witch hunter and uh, warrior priest dogs of war. Wilhelm and Johan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just rewrote those guys a little, so it was like a, a generic uh, uh, a generic warrior priest, and we just based like some special rules on. Uh, on the witch hunter, so so I could play with the witch hunter, nice. who who uh, had stumbled upon a necromancer who was trying to wake an ancient warrior king upon the cursed hills, which lies uh, close to Ostermark. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think I remember that scenario. Yeah, the chronicles. And uh, so in the in the normal scenario, there's there's this bunch of characters along with a couple of uh, a couple of their well. Angry villagers who are supposed to attack a uh, Strigoi vampire. But we rewrote the scenario a little and had a necromancer standing on, on top of a hill who was trying to resurrect a, uh, a white king. Uh, and the necromancer couldn't leave the the sarcophagus with the white king because he had to wake him up. Him up. But he could wake up some skeleton or zombie henchmen to take on the intruders so his scenario his objective was just to kill this warrior priest and the witch hunter and my my objective was just to kill the necromancer and end the summoning and it was actually the longest skirmish battle i've had i think we played played for like two and a half hours <laughs> because yeah. nobody ju- nobody died because because i had two heroes he killed off like all my henchmen so to say quite early with his ghouls and the skeletons but thanks to their heroic stat lines the the heroes could fight hordes of skeletons 
but they did so reluctantly because they went down to to get a knockdown or stunned over and over again but they they managed to save each other and thanks to the to the prayers that the warrior priest can use he could heal them but only one guy at a time so and with a lot of bad rolls from the necromancer we managed to enter the ruins and stop his vile plan although that we, awesome. we, yeah sounds like a like a great role-playing scenario and uh, we had said that the winner of the first game gets to use if uh, if i won i got to use this pair of characters for free in the final game if they were alive of course so if only one guy was alive i could use him but both survived so both could take part in the final game if he awesome. won, he could get a White King for free, with all the upgrades for free, and a free magic standard for his white, uh, his graveguards, <laughs> like the personal standard of this king. Nice. And uh, the second game was a Border Patrol game of 500 points. So we played the Border Patrol rules from, I think that's also from Warhammer Annual. And you have you, you only need to have one core unit and you can have one special. I'm not sure about rare choices. Oh yeah, you, you, you can have one rare choice. And no model can cost more than 150 points. Yeah. So he had his force and he had just painted up a unit of ghouls. And this battle, I learned that ghouls are scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, they're good. Yeah, it's hands two down. Is really rare. Yeah, two attacks, toughness four. They're skirmishers. They're alive, which is really good for vampire counts because normally they can't use flee as a charge reaction and lure enemies into a trap. With ghouls, you can. <laughs> but also, like you said, they have two attacks with poison, and they are toughness four. They have fear, so they're not to be taken lightly. And I learned that when uh, when I charged them with a the unit of pistoliers led by a warrior priest on horse, I took a challenge and uh, I whiffed all my attacks. <laughs> he got in two poison hits. And I have a 2 plus armor save on this said priest. Snake eyes. He was eaten alive. <laughs> and the pistoliers. Uh, it's, it's and, the pistol, yeah. and, and the pistoliers just rolled so bad. And toughness 4 did help them with that. And uh, then the pistoliers fled, eaten up by the <laughs> ghouls. <laughs> but eventually, I the game ended in a win for me because my stalwart spearmen they took on and killed the necromancer so that he so that the army just crumbled all the things he had left was the ghouls eventually <laughs> and this was like a, a hamlet bordering the the borders of sylvania and ostermark and uh, then we we decided if the game was a win for me then the empire troops would invade sylvania if he won it was the other way around then we actually decided to play a scenario from 8th edition mm. uh, called blood and glory where uh, where the objective is to break the enemy army and oh yeah yeah so you have and, like the, the the banners yeah the points. banners yeah uh, you, for for every thousand points you have one break point so we played two thousand points so that's two break points and uh, then you add one break point for every arm no every unit that you have so like one uh, if you have three standards you suddenly have five break points yeah and uh, plus one for your general yeah or no? yeah 
Yeah, the, the generals adds one. I think the BS, a BSB added one as well, but none of us used the BSB. Yeah, yeah I played this at a sixth edition tournament actually. It's a really fun. Yeah, it is, and and the objective is like to kill off said units, and when you reach a certain point of just, I, I think it's if you take out the third or two thirds, then one army loses. Yeah. So this was this was his first time also using a vampire lord. He, because he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try using one. He knows it's really expensive, but he really wanted to try out those terrible stat lines. It's like, not, not terrible. It's horrible. It's, yeah. it's by God, five attacks, strength and toughness five, four wounds. I think <laughs> they're beasts. Yeah, like initiative eight. Something. Yeah, yeah, uh, weapon skill eight or seven. It's like <laughs> this. I think he also had the von Karstein ring on his lord. I don't know what it does, but it sounds good. Uh, it, it gives you a four plus ward save and regeneration. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 pricey. It's a hundred points, so it's gonna be the only magic item on this character. But with those survival stat lines, it's it's horrible. Although the game it, it was really great. We we set up the game in like an abandoned little village. Where uh, where the vampire mistress, so to say, had risen up her army and uh, and tried to defend her territory, whilst the empire they were led by a unit of was it knights of the panther, yeah, and their grandmaster who had taken up arms and leading the troops with the absence of the warrior priest that previously led the troops. And uh, the game ended up in a victory for the empire troops because. Only because our two tar pits actually got stuck in uh, in a bottleneck. My unit of uh, fifteen flagellants got stuck with his uh, spirit hosts, so he he was just like slowly dying because of uh, combat resolution. <laughs> he, he because he rolled bad and I couldn't do anything. It's but eventually, sad. yeah. Eventually, the bottleneck was gone, and uh, my knights were able to get a full-on frontal charge on uh, on a unit of skeletons with the vampire. Nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just go for the combat resolution. Where I'm yeah. But the thing is, the knights fled. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they did, and we're overrun. <laughs> And uh, his unit overrun into a no, it it wasn't skeletons. It was uh, grave guards. She was with, uh, yeah. yeah. That's Scare. why they died. Yeah, because killing blow is a thing. <laughs> and then we're just standing there duking it out between great swords and those said grave guards. I think the only models he had left at the end of the game was a banshee, his white king, and his vampire. Mm. So they had to retreat, licking their wounds. <laughs> and we actually plan to do a follow-up campaign eventually, because he has recently been painting more and more units for his army. And uh, we're going to up the scales and uh, maybe play a siege eventually. Nice. We'll bring in some uh, uh, Middenheim allies. Yeah, that is actually my plan. I hope to at least paint a... Uh, a unit of uh, of the White Wolf Knights and nice. use them along with the Empire Army in our gaming club. And uh, I think we decided to to do this battle during winter as well. So there's <laughs> going to be field. yeah yeah, and uh, hopefully use some uh, some of the environmental rules to 
to get blizzards and everything. Right, so you should do a battle on uh, Frozen Lake as well. Some rules like that. Oh, yeah, there is. Where the ice can break. Yeah. Dangerous stuff. All right, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I hope everyone who has listened has got some great ideas about narrative gaming. Uh, the so sky is your limit. Yeah. Basically, come up with some small scenarios. Have a look at the alternative ways of playing. I know we've been throwing in a lot of words around, with, but there's skirmish. It's the smallest thing. Warbands is like small units, but still Warhammer with movement and stuff. Yeah. Combat Patrol is like 500 point games with some just cap limits yeah basically you can't have too many units and too many points into one unit and then regular battles from there yeah uh so yeah just come up with a story and have a few games with your mates and if you're if you can't come up with something but you you really want to play linked games you can look into the uh, the campaign booklets from warmer fifth edition there's yeah. Uh, yeah there's a lot of campaigns there uh, tears which of brings Isha. up yeah tears of isha idol of gork the thing is, you can switch out the armies to like whatever you want. Just try to make the scenarios fit them instead. Yeah. Just have a look at all Games Workshop publications in general. There are so yeah. many of these campaigns or just narrative battles. Maybe like even uh, recreate like a White Dwarf uh, battle report. Yeah, like use the same army like they did. Yeah. I, I, I've actually seen a lot of people doing that recently, at least in 4th uh, and 5th edition groups. Oh, nice. they're, they're building the exact armies from said battle reports and playing the same battles. And awesome. this, sh- this shouldn't be a problem in 6th edition either. It's like people have massive collections or if you don't have like if you don't really have an idea of what kind of army you want to build look at a white dwarf army great inspiration and yeah. more more often than not the white dwarf armies also have a theme around their force they like don't only bring the best things they always have some sort of theme so yeah I, yeah for sure have a look at that i look small articles come up with a narrative and go play warhammer Duke it out with your little dudes. All right. That's it for me. Anything? Yeah. Any last words to say? Nothing to add. All right. Great chatting as always. Hope you guys enjoy listening to this. And we'll see you next episode. And remember, stay square.